It's NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Linda Holmes. It's fun to talk about children's books when you're an adult, especially if you don't have kids and you don't spend a lot of your time reminding yourself how great they can be. And in a hugely complicated world, how crucial they can be, too. A little later, we'll bring you a book about books themselves. But first up, one that grew out of music. This would make a great kid's book is something I feel like people say a lot. They say it when they see something beautiful, something meaningful, maybe something simple. But the musician Rhiannon Giddens based her new book, Build a House, on a song she wrote that's not simple at all. The song is about Black Americans who, as she puts it, were brought here to build the country but haven't been allowed equality since then. She tells NPR's Elsa Chang about the complicated process of telling an often disturbing historical truth through words and images in a way that kids can hear and understand. Back in the summer of 2020, when racial justice protests were unfurling all across the country... Grammy-winning artist Rhiannon Giddens was watching her homeland from afar. She was in Ireland, where she's now based with her family, and feeling, as she put it, furious, despairing, impotent. She wondered, would the U.S. ever truly change? And so she wrote down some words and set those lines to music, and then she collaborated with cellist Yo-Yo Ma. The song was called Build a House. You brought me here to build your house, build your house, build your house. You brought me here, build your house and grow your garden fine. And now these lyrics have been paired with vibrant illustrations to form a new children's book, also called Build a House. It tells the story of a family's resilience in the face of oppression and hatred as they try to build their own house. Rhiannon Giddens joins us now. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you for being with us. So I want to start with the first lyric in this song, which are the first words on the first page of this book. You brought me here to build your house. Can I just ask why you started there, this idea of home, like how so many enslaved people built the homes of so many white Americans? Why start there? Well, that's kind of where my feelings were. I just, the the anger kind of came from, like, look, you brought us here, <laughs> to, 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 you know, to, to build this country, and now you, you're saying we can't have a fair life within it. And so that kind of you brought us here to sort of turned right into you brought me here to build your house. Yeah. When I write sort of these kinds of songs that are just sort of, I feel, come through me, they, they are very much in a traditional kind of ballad, repetitive kind of form, which, as it turns out, is perfectly suited to figure out how to turn into a kid's book. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to ask you about that because I imagine you had a pretty broad audience in mind when you wrote and performed Build a House as a song. So what made you want to turn it into a book for kids specifically? Well, it was it was kind of amazing because we posted the, the song and somebody in the Twitter comments said, you know, this would be a great kid's book. Hmm. And I was like, oh, that's a that's a really interesting idea, and I. The thing is, is it's not that I I've been thinking about kids books for a very long time, and it kind of just got put way back on the back burner until this, this comment sort of rewoke that desire, and I was kind of locked down in Ireland, and I was like, well, what better time, to sort of explore this um, than now? Right. I was struck by how these illustrations they don't hold back in many ways, yeah. like this family. 
they're searching for a place to call home. And there's one illustration that's pretty unflinching. It's a white man on a horse who is setting fire to this family's house. Can you tell me why you and Monica McKay, the illustrator, why you both felt it was important to have a moment like that so vividly portrayed in a book for children? The song doesn't pull any punches at that point, or the the words, you know, you said I couldn't build a house and so you burnt it down. And there's this sort of narrative of everybody can just like haul themselves up by their bootstraps and everybody has an equal chance. And it's kind of like, well, actually, there is this narrative of wherever we try to build, it's torn down. Like the the child's not going to know redlining. The child's not going to know like all of the towns that were burnt down during Reconstruction. They're not going to know the massacre of 1898 in Wilmington, North Carolina. They're not going to know those things, but they are going to know how unfair that is. Mm-hmm. They're going to get that immediately. And it's just, it's really, it's that simple. And it's important for them mm-hmm. to be able to see that in a way that's not, you know, that is a very strong image, but it's not unbearably violent. It's just, it's a, extremely stark. And it's, I think it's important to, to not... Sugarcoat. To not pull punches. and Yeah, to not sugarcoat in, in those moments, you know, as long as you have the framework around it. How much did you feel when you were growing up that what you learned about slavery and Reconstruction while in school, how much did you feel that that was incomplete? Oh, my gosh. Like, the older I get, the more I realize, like, so much of what I was taught around slavery was just, if a, there wasn't much to begin with. And what I remember was like, oh, well, you know, plantation-based slavery wasn't very efficient and it was dying out anyway during the Civil War. And then, you know, and then black people aren't heard of again until the civil rights movement in the 60s. It's like, it's really incredible how much we're not told. You know, because really when you tell a more complete story, you know, you're less surprised by the things that are happening today and that have been happening in this country. Like, it's just... um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just really important to start that early, you know, those those ideas of the complexity of it all. You know, this book, it reminds us how many things were taken away from black people in this country. Freedom, property, and, and you further point out music was also stolen. I want to quote here. You write, but then you came and took my song and claimed it for your own. Can you talk to me more about that piece of this story? Yeah, I mean, it's, it is complicated. Like, I have to always say that there's been cross-cultural collaborative, you know, creation of American music for many, many, many years. But what this is talking about specifically is, you know, particularly the banjo. It first was created by African-Americans in the Caribbean, you know, or people of the African diaspora. And, it, and it's like that in and of itself is such a huge emblem for, you know, the idea of so much black innovated music that then the profit has been outside of the community. And it's something that I've been dealing with ever since I picked up the banjo. Well, you write in the afterword to this book, we keep finding ways to make our family and our home no matter where we are. What does home mean to you ultimately? Home to me, I mean, I'm, I'm a nomad, you know, I'm back and forth here and there, like, So when I'm in Ireland with my kids, that's my home. When I'm in North Carolina with my parents and my sister, and that's my home. When I'm on the road with my partner, Francesco, that's my home, you know. For me, it's really about family and about personal connections. But, you know, for a lot of people, the land is is like super important. 
and has been for a very long time. And, you know, for African-Americans, you know, owning land was such a big deal because, you know, when we came here, we had nothing. And the, the ability to continue to rebuild after being torn down so many times, and that's ultimately what the story is about. It's <laughs> the idea is that, you know, the well never runs dry. We are always able to replenish because ultimately our well comes from our creator. You know, it comes from that thing that's bigger than us and we'll, we'll survive it and we'll thrive and we'll, and, we'll, and we'll, you know, get to that next place. Rhiannon Giddens' new book is called Build a House. Thank you so much for being with us and sharing this. Thank you for having me. You brought me here to build your house, build your house. Grace Lynn and Kate Messner wrote Once Upon a Book about a girl named Alice who finds a way out of a gray winter the way a lot of us have, through reading. They talked to NPR's Aisha Roscoe about Alice's books and her dress and her path home. Like many of us during this gloomy time of the year, Alice is sick of the cold and heavy winter clothing. So the little girl turns to a book that helps her escape to warmer tropical worlds. That's the premise of Grace Lynn and Kate Messner's new children's book, Once Upon a Book. It's a look into the imagination of a little girl who discovers the joy of reading and the meaning of home. Co-authors Grace Lynn and Kate Messner join me now. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So first, Kate, like I understand that there is an interesting story behind your collaboration with Grace. Like there was a poster that she created and that brought you guys together? It did. Uh, So Grace was asked to create a poster for Children's Book Week in 2019. And she had created this beautiful piece of art Uh, showing a little girl walking along, reading a book, and behind her on like the wallpaper uh, is this beautiful, lush, tropical forest scene with birds that seem as if they might even be reading over her shoulder. And so Grace had posted this beautiful painting in a writer's group that we're both part of and said, hey, I love this painting. I would love to make a whole book about it. Does anybody have an idea? Does anybody want to collaborate? And so I had seen that painting and stopped immediately when I was scrolling through. And I thought, oh, that sounds like fun. So I set aside the book that I was working on at the time and took about 10 minutes in my writer's notebook to come up with the very beginning of a story that I posted. And Grace came back and said, and then keep going. And so this week it came out and we're so excited that it's a book now. Well, you know, it's a beautiful book. I, You know, I got my three kids and I read it to them. One thing that really grabbed them was Alice's dress. It changes colors and patterns based on whatever environment she's in. So like when she's in the desert, um, her dress looks like sand. So every page, my kids would be like, oh, look at her dress. <laughs> so <laughs> what story, um, Grace, were you trying to tell with the dress? Uh, that was completely done on purpose. So if you notice, uh, before Alice goes into the book, she actually changes from her sweater into this summery dress. And this summery dress is made up of words. But then when she finally goes into the book, the words disappear. And that's because she has actually become part of the book. It's kind of a 
a visual metaphor of getting lost in a book or becoming a part of a book when you read it. Mm. So that's why when she's actually inside the book, her dress becomes a part of the environment around her. Even as Alice travels to all these different places, she ends up going back to her home, (laughs) the place that she was trying to escape, because every time she went somewhere, there was something wrong. There was something that wasn't quite what she wanted. I mean, what was the thing that she realizes about home in this book? You know, it's interesting. Grace and I have been talking a lot while we were on book tour this week about the driving forces behind our writing. And for me, that driving force has always been curiosity. I write a lot of books about nature and history, and I do a lot of nonfiction. And for Grace, um, she mentioned that writing, her goal is to help kids find a sense of security and home. And we realized that almost unintentionally, we had created a book that captures both of those mission statements, if you will, because stories do take us away. They transport us. I love how this story captures that sense of exploration and also comes right around to appreciating home. And Grace, was it important to you to have um, the lead character of this story be of Asian descent? Yes. Alice is actually very much based on my own daughter. But you can see from all of my work, I almost always feature Asian or Asian American characters. Um, And that's really because that's what I really wished when I was younger to see. And so all the books I create are kind of a wish fulfillment. And this is a very literal wish fulfillment. I wish to see myself or somebody that looked like me in a book and hear a child that looks like me actually goes into a book and sees herself. What I really love about this book is that this is ultimately a book about loving to read books. Is that what you both want readers, you know, young and old, to take away from your story? I would say so. I mean, to me, this book is a valentine for readers, right? It's that gift of being swept away in a story and actually entering that story, which I think is something that, you know, young readers always dream about. I remember when I was growing up, I just, you know, I would read the books that I loved and I would wish so hard that I could just step right inside. This is really a visual metaphor, the idea that we get lost in stories and what they do for us. Yes, it's a way to show them that a book is such a wonderful way to explore other places and other lives, in, uh, to live another life in a book. But it's a safe place because you can always, when you're done, you close the book and you return home. And that's just what this book does too. Grace Lynn and Kate Messner are the authors of the new children's book, Once Upon a Book. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for this week on NPR's Book of the Day. Let us know what you think. You can write to us at bookoftheday at npr.org. I'm Linda Holmes. The podcast is produced by Isabella Gomez Sarmiento and edited by Megan Sullivan. Our founding editor is Petra Mayer. The show elements for this week were produced and edited by Erica Ryan, Christopher Intagliata, Denise Couture, Michael Radcliffe, Melissa Gray, Martin Patience, Danny Hensel, Shannon Rhodes, Megan Lim, Sarah Handel, Ashley Brown, Andrew Craig, Hadil Alshalchi, and Hiba Ahmad. Beth Donovan is our managing editor. Thanks for listening.